Welcome to Afterthoughts, where I pursue the realities in Christianity through God's Word and different conversations. It is my confident belief that our views shape the way we live, so having views grounded in reality is super important. At the end of it all, it is my heart's deepest desire that you and myself would be seeking peace and joy in what Christ Jesus has done. Welcome back to The Conversation, everybody. It's your boy, Martin Trumbull, back at it again with my good friend, Caleb Bulow. Howdy. And Jason Pettis. Hello. Yeah. And we're here at the May Conference in Fargo, North Dakota. Together. The, yeah, together. Pretty sweet. It is. Most, actually, a lot of people haven't realized that we're not together when we're recording most of these. They're like, so does Caleb come all the way down to Alexandria to record? No, we got them all straightened out. Yeah. That we're all separate. Sounds good. Living in our own places. You know how it is. Okay. What makes a good what makes a good leader? Say what? Somebody. What, what makes a good <laughs> leader? What qualities? So we uh, when we used to work for my dad, my me, my brother, and my sister, we would argue about who was the leader, who was the foreman. And we arrived at the conclusion that whoever when they said break time and everybody followed them out to the job shack, you know, for the uh, for the treats or what you know for break time, that would be the leader if you could get the crew to follow him. And so, my <laughs> so we'd get my sister then to, uh, or she would say, "All right, all right, everybody, break time." And we had all the crew trained; they wouldn't move a muscle. They just keep on working <laughs> while she'd head off to the to the break room, and nobody moved until <laughs> me or my brother was like, "All right, guys, let's go." And then <laughs> so then we always we gave her a real hard time because she had no followers, therefore she wasn't a leader. <laughs> <laughs> man well okay so she has influence but like we've all known leaders that people follow that are like bad leaders like the old testament is full of bad kings and whatever else and stuff so like what makes so you got to be talking about a particular context like we can talk about leaders like within the workforce or mm-hmm. wherever else i mean you must be thinking of more I don't, uh yeah I guess I'm thinking of more of a spiritual leader, which I guess when I say that out loud. Two questions come to my mind too, based on how you answered that. Like some people are, are leaders, like people will follow them, right? You right. said when the, 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 there's the guy who says it's break time and everybody does it. I remember going to a, a trade show with a friend that we both know, Roy. And mm-hmm. uh, like we were just sitting there working the booth, doing the same thing. Nobody there who who's coming knew us. And yet when somebody showed up and knew that, and actually wanted to do business, they knew that Roy was the guy to talk to just by looking at us. And I don't even know what mm-hmm. it was. Yep. And so some people can are, are natural leaders, or I don't know if it's natural isn't quite the right word, but they have the ability of just, they just lead and people will follow. Now, whether they lead to good or to bad mm-hmm. is, a, is kind of a different question. Like, if you're going to be a leader, how do you do it well right? or in a godly way versus how do you grow your influence but I think you're kind of are asking the first question. Yeah, right? the godly. What makes a good godly leader that has a good, uh, a positive impact with the people he's leading? Like, let's say under the context of ministry. Like, you know, you need somebody to organize things and get everything together and whatever are you, else. Yeah, are you talking about that kind of leader? Are you talking, because <clears throat> there's also the aspect of 
people that you look up to, you ask for advice, you know, what makes a good, I guess I'd be almost more of a mentor, what would mm. be a good leader for me in my life? Or are you talking more about the, in a ministry type of situation where you would have a... Well, I feel like under the, so if we call it a spiritual leader or in a ministry leader, then naturally wouldn't they fall under the category of also being some sort of mentor or no? I don't know. Cause once you say that, it's like, oh, that is interesting. I want to talk about that now. Cause I thought, but I thought they kind of were the same. Is there a difference so really? Should there be a difference or what? Do yeah. You you're, you're looking at as far as, you know, who do you look up to within the church? Who do we follow? Who do we, who's a good mm-hmm. type of person to follow that? Yeah. Yep. And then how do I become that? If say I, uh, if I look around and I find when I say break time, everyone follows me like, or if I find myself in a position where people do listen to my influence and I, and I'm, and I don't want to, uh, mislead people. I don't know how to be more specific. That's a, but that's a hard question to answer because you know, you see people who are influential and they, they interact well with people, they click with them. And so you, you like, uh, like to be listening to them or whatever, you know, like they're, they're the type of person that you just kind of look up to naturally. Like they've been around a lot longer or, or whatever the case might be. And yet sometimes I've seen some people that have good or have influence don't always have the best wisdom, you know, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what's the difference then? How does one, where do you get the good wisdom or where, how do you tell the difference? I guess. Yeah. I can start off with, a. <laughs> This is probably the kind of thing someone could write in an encyclopedia-sized book on all kinds of different aspects of that. So, uh, but we can just try to kick off something with like a, a scriptural contrast. I think of you know a good leader, and um, one that has really impacted me was when um, uh, you've got uh, Pharaoh when he saw Joseph coming up. Right, Pharaoh was the leader. And when he saw Joseph coming up and saw what he was able to do, you know, because Pharaoh had those dreams and then Joseph interpreted them, he could have been extremely threatened by that, that this guy has the Spirit of God. But he wasn't threatened that. He said, "You, the Spirit of God is with you, or maybe he didn't say something, whatever. He said something like that. I'm going to make you number two. I want you to run this whole show. And I'm putting everything into your hands because uh, I, I think that you've got a good thing going on here and I want to leverage what you have and so there's a quality there of a leader who's sees the value in other people and is secure enough to be able to to delegate things and to see how well in a church it would be to see who's gifted and empower them to do the thing that they're gifted to do Mm. and a contrast to that in the old testament is saul when he see he sees david coming up david you know because saul got all the people were singing the song, right? It was the song was Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his, his ten thousands. thousands. Yeah. And Saul's like, That's messed up. <laughs> I cannot do that. He could have done like what Pharaoh did in the Old Testament and say, Okay, all right, David, the Lord is blessing you, and I want this to be a good thing for Israel. I want mm-hmm. Israel to win victories, and you're good at winning victories. I'm still number one, but I'm gonna make you in charge of all of these things so that mm-hmm. we can get the benefit of all those things. But instead, he, uh, he wasn't, wasn't secure enough to do that, and he was threatened by that, what the Lord had given that person, and it drove him insane. So mm-hmm. the, uh, I, I just always appreciated that contrast of having the humility and the security to be able to empower others and rather than 
feeling threatened by them. Yeah. So where does the security come from? I mean, what are they? I was going to say, and what makes them feel insecure? <laughs> like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I guess Jason's done. <laughs> That's a great question, guys. What do you think about that? Man. There was, I listened to this podcast on, you know, this church that had wild success and then it came to a very sharp mm. ending and the leader was very like something a lot of the members of the church or people a part of that church said about their the the pastor the guy kind of doing the show is he was scared of people and the reason he was scared of them um was because he thought no one genuinely he thought nobody knew what he knew and had the gift he had and so he was scared that if he empowered other people or let people take um mm. control of things yeah. that they would screw it all up and so he held on very dearly and it, it took him a lot, like it took him far because he was a gifted man, but at the end of it, it just, everything fell to pieces because he became cold and bitter because of it and just, you know, operating out of fear of what could happen, the what ifs and stuff. And so I don't know if that's probably part of that, my question. Well, I think that uh, is a subtle form of pride Yep, because mm-hmm. you, you think that you can do it but you're not confident anybody else can do it. So then you have a lot of confidence in yourself where I think a a good leader, spiritual leader would be somebody whose confidence is based in the Lord. Like they realize that what they do and any success that they have is really the Lord's working. And Mm. I I noticed that even like in the message earlier today when he was describing different things and, and how and where the Lord would work and different places where I've seen the Lord work. And realizing that <clears throat> that area that the Lord was working with or working in and the people that he was working with, that those people were badly flawed. And yet the Lord was working with them and, and producing a uh, good blessing. Mm-hmm. So to recognize that if I'm doing something and it's successful, if I think it's because of me, then I've, I've got to, I mean, that's not a humble attitude before the Lord. You know, I need to recognize that it's, if, you know, even though I may speak the truth, the fact that it goes into people's hearts, that's the Lord's work. I mean, it's... Yeah. I, I would agree that the, the humility, you know, versus the pride is going to be where you're insecure, you're threatened, because, well, at the end of the day, what was Saul's deal? He, he wasn't interested in what the Lord wanted. So at the end of the day, Saul wanted to be the boss. He wanted to be the one in charge, and he, he wasn't interested in what the Lord was doing. And so any leader in a church who's going to be in that situation, who, where, where, do they really want the preeminence? Like, you know, John, in one of his letters, talks about Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them. Mm. And uh, if that's what you love, uh, even if you have the innate skills of a leader, you're going to be a bad leader for the Lord because, well, just like any gift, when you use it to exalt yourself rather than to serve the Lord, then you're perverting the gift and it's, it's going to go bad. I like <clears throat> what you said there, where you're looking to glorify yourself. I think the Lord Jesus said in John, I think it was 7, John 7, he was talking to people and he said that there's there's people who they, they look for their own glory or there's people that search for the glory of God. He who speaks for, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. And, and there's, there's times where there's people who they're preaching their ideas and they they want people to jump on board with them. 
that's effectively seeking their own glory. Uh, to try to find out what God is saying in his word and then try to convey that, that's seeking God's glory. Hmm. So how do I, or who should I look up to then? If I'm going to choose, what makes a good leader? Like what you were saying earlier before we went down mm-hmm. this road. So who then, what makes a good leader then? What, who, who should I look up to? What qualities should I notice about somebody in you know, choosing to be mentored by um, or choosing a leader? Seems like a good starting spot would be the qualifications of an elder. Uh, I was just going, yep. I, th- I think that's the, um, uh, and we're in Titus here at the conference here, so uh, I'll just read this off from Titus 1.6 and we'll see what thoughts that we get to that. I'll just read them off real quick and make really mild comments on them. So an elder must be blameless. Now, and when I go through these char- these qualities, I think these are th- not things like, you have to do this 100%. That's not the way I interpret mm-hmm. the passage. It's we're looking for a person who is characterized by these things. And so uh, like one of them would be um, uh, not quick-tempered. So if somebody loses his temper, are you like, oh my goodness, that is really out of character for that person? Or are you like, oh, there goes that guy again. It's like, okay, well, the first one is probably someone who's qualified <laughs> to be an elder, and the second person is not characterized right. by these things. Okay, so blameless, um, just kind of above reproach in those things. Uh, faithful to his wife is number two. So that's a big deal to the Lord. If you want to be a, a leader or an elder or an example, being faithful to your wife uh, would be a thing. It would be a big deal. A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. That's a little bit of a tricky one, I think. You know, having, yeah. Even if kids aren't believers, hopefully they're not this. Well, I think this. Go ahead. The, thought, the thought that occurs to me right now as we read that is uh, what kind of influence or impact does he have on nice. people that are around him? Are they going to be... If, when he starts with them, when he gets done with them, are they worse off than what they were when they started? You know, is it, or does he have an impact for good? Yep. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because it's going to be, here's how we let, like, the main thing, his main responsibility, if he's a, a family person, is to be the leader of his household. So what's the result of that leadership? That's a huge test mm-hmm. for that. Um Okay, since an overseer an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing. That's something that we've sort of been talking about. Mm-hmm. Saul would definitely be more overbearing or trying to control or be very domineering, I think, maybe. Um, not quick-tempered. Someone loses his temper. Not the kind of person who want, who God says is going to be the leader. Uh, not given to drunkenness. I mean, it probably goes more into even just self-control in general. Not violent not pursuing dishonest gain, which kind of goes into some of the stories that we've talked about earlier about uh, people who are in it for the money or whatever. Mm -hmm. Someone who shows hospitality to people. He loves what is good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined, and he holds firmly to the trustworthy messages he's been taught. So someone who's a a man of God's word and respects God's word. So I don't know, those are some food for thought there. Or a, a starting spot for some conversations. I don't know. Any will stick out as interesting. Yeah, I was well because okay. So for everyone listening, this is a passage. Uh, Jason said it, but just to clarify, this is the passage we're kind of started to go over tonight um, here at the conference. And as I was um, as I was reading through these, I was like a lot of questions popped up about okay, so qualifying these qualifications, if you will, like well, what does that mean? How far do you take that? 
Um, and one of the things was like, um, you said, my version says not self-willed, mm. but you said something else. Your version said something else, Jason. Which verse? Verse um, seven. seven yeah. Steward of God. Mm, steward of God, not. He must be blameless, not overbearing. Yeah, overbearing. What is your saying? Not Self- self-willed. I like self-willed better. Yeah. Well, what is that? Like, what do you mean by that? Because, and, and here's my problem is like, there's a lot of leaders in churches and, and like when you ask, you know, when you strike up a conversation about Titus and Timothy, it's like everyone knows about these qualifications. But then when you, like when I read these and I start to think about them, I'm like, like, I feel like people aren't like have a hard time saying no to people or realizing they're not qualified. Mm. You know what I mean? For and sure. so, cause like if there's a qualification, that means there are some people who won't meet the qualification and aren't, um, qualified and overbearing sticks out to me like what does that mean what's overbearing self-willed the uh, i'm interested what caleb thinks about this i'll throw out a really quick example would be you're working on a group project with a bunch of students and there's different ideas about how to go different things is there somebody in the group who has to have their own way and cannot like when you say well could we try it this way and they're like "I, i really think we should do it this way and it goes beyond reason they're just like man that guy just stuck his feet in the ground and he won't change his mind on anything. He's got to have it run his way and he's just, he won't listen to other people. Whereas somebody who might say, even if you, when you see a group really wants to go one way and even if you're like, I don't know that this is the best way to do this thing, but um, I'm, I'm willing to try what other people want to do. I'm willing to let somebody else's will prevail. It doesn't have to be my will that prevails every time. What do you think, Caleb? The, uh, Strong's definition for the Greek word says self-pleasing, self-willed, or arrogant. But it, so it would that almost brings a connotation of somebody who uh, they're more focused on themselves than they are on the benefit of the people around them. Mm. And that would look like in a scenario where you have a task that needs to be completed, it's like their way of the highway. So they're more interested in, in um, and they and they honestly maybe believe that their way is the the best way, or maybe they acknowledged that there's other ways to do it but it's like i'm you know i'm the one i'm in charge so i'm going to do it this way but there are cases too where like like this characteristic is a characteristic it's not a situation where like okay this one time he's like no this is the way we're going to do it and he's not going to like and maybe he listens but he's stuck like like one time or a couple times where that happens that's okay but this is like a character where this is consistent in his uh (laughs) character yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if he one time relents, you're like, I can't believe he just did that. Okay. Well, he's not characterized by this. Yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said earlier. Like, uh, are you saying that was out of character or are you saying, oh, there he goes again? Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> man, that's, that's good. Um, I think Paul too talks about how he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think that really is the key for a really good godly leader is it's, not somebody that's trying to do his own way, but he's trying to find out what God would do or what God would want in this particular situation, and let's follow what he has laid out for us. So we're following together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What version are you reading from? I think this is the NIV. Okay. There's a few other... The way it worded it, I had some... I'm looking through them. There was something There was something else that, like... So a man whose children believe... That you said that could you mentioned that could get dicey, and I can see how because I have like, well, man, what is that? So if you have one kid that doesn't believe, are you qualified to be an elder? And I know 
of some elders who have been divorced actually and are elders like is that okay um and then also what if a dude is like too young like he's his kids aren't fully grown yet like so you don't know if he can't like it says the purpose right here it says a man whose children believe um since an overseer manages god's household he must be blameless like it's kind of that principle like let's see like kind of what you guys said like Let's see how he treats his own kids and how they turn out. Let's see the final result of his character in them before we put him in front of or in a position where he's leading a bunch of people. What if, you know, he's his kids aren't old enough or something like that? Is that is uh I don't know. What would you say to that? Is that okay? Is there because yeah Well, I, I think when we put it into the realm of is that is that okay or is it not okay, then we're we're trying to set a a, a bunch of rules so that we can or or uh, I don't know how guidelines that we were, you know, we were trying to do things absolutely right. But I think what we want to do is we want to find somebody that we can follow. Somebody, you know, what kind of character is the kind of person that we follow? And what and what Paul is laying out here is people who, these are the kind of guys that you want to follow, the kind of leaders that you would want to uh, go after. And so let's let's take this example of a child not believing. I mean, I knew a guy who was, he was great with young people and he spent a lot of time with young people. And what I, when I watched him, though, really close and watched his family, I noticed that, you know, like one or two of his kids was not really following the Lord that close. And so I thought, well, why is that? And then I noticed that what he liked to do is whenever he was hanging out with his son was, you know, they'd sit and watch movies, which I thought, that's odd. You know, whenever he's with other young people, he wants to do Bible study with him. When he's with his son, he just wants to watch movies and stuff like that. And that's that was their main, I thought, that's I didn't know if I really wanted to follow him any, you know, to, if he, if that's, if with his son, he was, that was their way of hanging out, was just doing these kinds of things. It was kind of like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why is he doing that? So why? Break that down. Why? So I guess what the thought that comes to my mind is like, so if their kids are unbelievers, why are they unbelievers? Is it because the parents have faithfully taught them the gospel, but the kid will just have nothing to do with it? Okay, that's one thing. But is it because the parents, when they're out in public, they're always doing godly things, but then when they're back at home, they're just doing whatever they want to do, you know, like they're not, like with their family, it's like they kind of let their hair down and they just kind of relax and live like other people, and that's why their kids haven't believed? Mm. Then you've got a, that's a real problem. Not sure you want to follow somebody like that. But that can be a struggle too. Like if you're in full-time ministry, like I've heard, I don't know, there's a lot of people, like a lot of pastors are just exhausted Cause there's so like, I mean, parents are terrible parents these days, like statistically. And so like what that means is like people, well, pastors are burdened with a lot of work that like, like they're doing a lot of stuff that pa- the, you know, people's parents should have done. And so they're just exhausted. And so when you're in that position where you're like trying to manage other people and then you go home and you're like, maybe not like you're like, how do you, how would you deal that with that situation or scenario? Or maybe they're doing too much in their ministry and they should be prioritizing their family or I don't. Yeah. I, I like what, like Caleb said, to, if we try to make it into like a legal code, like Leviticus, it's, it's going to fall down. Mm-hmm. And so we've got these guidelines that are being set up. And so we can speak in generalities about what you're saying, but you know, whether, uh, so in the example that you're giving, I could see like, Hey, do you understand you person who's you know, pouring your life out into other people and then you don't have nothing left when you get home. Is that the right priority? Are you, Hmm. and that's tough to do. It's it's really hard to do that, you know? And so then, but 
you may, so you take that into account, like, okay, they didn't prioritize this very well, and, and that's having ramifications. Does that disqualify them? I mean, the, the parallel passage that we're doing in Timothy is in Titus, and it doesn't use that same word. It says, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect, because if someone doesn't know to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And there's other translations, even of Titus, that say that um, the idea isn't that your children are believers and, and, uh, and are faithful all through life. The idea is that, especially when, I think probably when they're young, like, do they, are they minding you? I mean, are you, do you know how to make little kids, like, behave in a way that is somewhat civilized? Yeah. <laughs> or are they, are they going totally nuts? And, or, and, and then all of that stuff is just like one part of the picture that we're trying to take into account. So, and I would agree with Caleb, like you can have adult kids who walk away from the faith and rebel or aren't, aren't interested in it. And that doesn't, in my view, that wouldn't necessarily disqualify someone from being even an elder of a church. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I, I think there's more we could say on these characteristics, but just to, just for the sake of time, I want to go to... Um, I think I already asked this question, but okay, so who do I, what do I look for in a mentor now? So I think these guidelines that we've discussed a little bit here from Titus and Timothy, uh, we can put, you know, you can, you can look at a person's life and see if it kind of follows these guidelines. But there's always the possibility that somebody's life could follow those guidelines right to the T when they got it down pat and they could be a Pharisee and you don't mm-hmm. want to follow somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that somebody has some areas that, uh, you know, like say like their kids or something where they struggle with and yet they are following the Lord really close. I mean, it boils down, like these guidelines are, these characteristics that what we see of people uh, are going to be typical of people who are following the Lord. If they're following the Lord, this is what you're going to see in their life. So when you see somebody that is doing these kinds of things that's laid out in Timothy and Titus, that's a person to get to know and find out where is their heart. Are they, uh, do I see in them, as I get to know them, a heart of someone who really wants to follow the Lord and they really want to do what the Lord wants them to do? Mm-hmm. There's your leader then. It, I really, I was just thinking like the leader is just somebody who's following the Lord just a little bit in front of you. Mm, that's good. Well, how do I, like, it's hard if I'm ignorant and, like, I don't know what to look for or discern. How do I discern that there's somebody? Because there's a lot of people who appear to, like, to be, you know, spiritual, like, in a, like, a yeah. step ahead of you that, like, appear to be walking closely with the Lord. They talk the right talk and, you know, and, I mean, you're not around them 24-7. Maybe you see them a couple of times a week. So it's like, you don't really know. And, and I it's don't okay. know. It's okay. I mean, we... We're looking for somebody as best as we know that are following the Lord. And I followed people that later I found out, you know, they weren't really following the Lord. You know, I got to know them to a point where I realized, wait a minute, there's a lot of facade here. I didn't mm-hmm. see that facade before. And guess what? It didn't destroy my spirituality. It's okay to look for somebody and, and find somebody that you believe is following the Lord and you begin to follow them. And then you reach, maybe you reach a point where you find out there's some real serious problems in their life and maybe I should be following somebody else. It's okay. Mm. You don't have to find the perfect person right off the bat. Mm. I'd put another thought on that that augments that same thing is, you know, sometimes people get this idea that I'm going to look for 
the person I'm going, who's going to be my mentor. Mm-hmm. And in my life, what I found was uh, I couldn't find any one person to do that. So then I started looking at the older men in the church who I respected as collectively, I'm going to use them as my elder. Because maybe this guy is like, I don't like the way he does this and this, but he really does this well. So I'm going to get mm-hmm. together and learn from him on that and yeah. then get this together from, from somebody else and do this thing. And another part that goes with all that is the very first man who uh, led the Bible study that I got saved at when I was in college. And then he discipled me for four to five years. Basically, we get together once a week, uh, one-on-one. And I learned so much from him. Uh, The first two years, I just, I mean, I grew like a weed. And a lot of it was because of how much he invested in me. After about four or five years, I felt like he had kind of given me everything he had. And it was time for me to find somebody else to to spend that kind of one-on-one time with as well. And so to realize that, like Caleb's saying, like you can use one, have one mentor for a while, but then you realize later it's like, it, now it's time to mm-hmm. add another one. And it's not because of anything wrong with the first guy. It mm-hmm. was just, I'm moving into a different stage of life where someone else probably has more what I need for this stage of life. Yeah, man. Good way to put that. Yeah, I would say, because my mom also told me, has told me, like, um, you know, th- basically the same, like, the same thing. Like, you can't find this one person, right? So you find, like, like so if I, have, if I have relationship issues, like issues in my interpersonal relationships and stuff, I'm not going to go talk to the guy who has, like, also, like, a bunch of, like, a terrible relational <laughs> past. Like, you don't guide to the... He can like, relate to you, but like, he might not be able to help you out much. Yeah, <laughs> like, like you don't get marriage advice from somebody who has a marriage you don't want. Like, and so yeah, the way I view sure. it is, like, so I want to find the guy, like, if a guy has a really great relationship with his wife, you know, and vice versa, and they love each other, and, I mean, not that it doesn't work, but they've worked to the point to where they actually enjoy being around each other. It's like... That's somebody I want to take advice right. from. That's yeah. someone I'll listen to because they got something there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're not perfect, but they have something there. And in the same way with like, you know, a, as a Bible teacher, like if somebody has like the evidence of like their life reflects this peace that, you know, and self-control that the scriptures are, are you know, and the spirit is promised to produce, it's like that's somebody I'll listen to. But I don't listen to somebody on advice where, not, I, I hear them, but I don't like listen to them you don't blindly um, follow or, you know, Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah. If take don't it with have, a grain of salt, I guess, yeah. is the old phrase. I, I could imagine a guy who doesn't have a good marriage, but he's really been successful at running businesses. And mm-hmm. you might run, ask him, like, hey, what do you think about my college situation? What field of study should I do? Or, you know, some sort of thing where he'd be really valuable uh, yeah. as well. So, yep. Yep, yeah. There's guys I go to about doctrinal things who are really good on doctrine, but I would not go to them about like this rift I'm having with my best friend. Cause like, you know, but yeah. Well, anyway, for sake of time, I think that's going to do it for today. It was great. It was fun. Thanks you all for listening and tuning in and uh, we'll see you again very soon. Um, and yeah, peace out.